that self-love is actionable. You have to take the action behind it and understanding that other people's expectations may not be in alignment with what you want and no one else's expectations should ever take precedence over your own. And really, I think if we can take the self-love narrative and change it to honoring yourself, it becomes different because it's not a concept, it's an action. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? You look gorgeous as always. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. I've been so excited for this today. Oh, I'm so excited too. I have been uh, reading your book, so it has lots of little good gems in there. So that warms my heart. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, okay. So for those who don't know you, do you want to start us out by introducing yourself? A little bit about you and your family and a little bit about your story. Absolutely. Um, so my name is Erica Beeson and I am a single mother of one darling 13-year-old a daughter. Um, I live in Utah and I actually currently live in the same town I grew up in. My family is all close and, you know, the older you get, the more you realize that um, time is precious. And so I will stick around here with my family until, you know, things change slightly, but um, I love it here. I I live right by the mountains and that is my jam. I am a a mountain girl, hardcore. I'm up there every chance I can get, whether it's by myself, with my daughter, with my two dogs, you name it, Um, hiking, trail running, just sitting and staring, watching the sunset, any of that. But um, there's just a little about kind of me personally, as far as me professionally, um, currently my, my passion is working as a transformational coach. Um, I have, I took a deep dive into my personal growth journey, probably starting maybe three or four years ago. Um, and the reason why it finally all like came to, came to a point of where I knew I needed to really dive in deep was because I just kept repeating the same patterns over and over in my life, despite, um, you know, talk therapy and kind of some standard, um, therapy that I had gone through for years and years and years, which I'm super grateful for. I will never, never discount that because it was very valuable to me, but I just still kept repeating the same patterns in my life. And I just felt like a hamster in a wheel and a hellish wheel at that. And so I just was like, this something's got to give, I cannot keep doing this. And, you know, I'd come from kind of a, a background of of continually choosing unhealthy friendships, unhealthy partnerships, unhealthy, um, you know, marriages. And it just, I just had had enough and I wanted to really feel that fullness of peace and like happiness in my life and realizing that because I had wanted that so badly, I was almost like shape-shifting, right? Like I was shape-shifting 
to be what I thought would make someone else happy because that would make me happy. So it's like this weird disassociated version of happiness. Um, so yeah, when I, when I realized I had like hit that wall, I just started to take a deep, deep dive. And I was looking into all kinds of different spiritual practices and, um, you know, personal development practices and reading and reading and practicing and learning and, and gathering tools. And as I explain that, I want to make sure that this point is very, very clear that it's one thing to learn and learn and learn and learn, but it's another thing to do. Um, I think a lot of people, especially nowadays where information is at our fingertips, it's really easy just to think that because you're absorbing this information, that that means you're healing and you're just not like you have to put it into action. You have to do it. And, um, I think that that was when I had like learned, 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 learned. And I was like, all right, something's still not changing. It's time to do. And that's when like things really exploded for me. And that's when I started writing my book and yeah, it kind of snowballed from there. So I don't know how, how far you want me to go down that, that story road <laughs> or not, but we can go down into it a little bit more. Um, but so Erica and I actually met at a women's retreat, which was amazing. And she was one of the speakers, um, and she handed out her book. So I was just telling her that I've been reading it and there's so much good stuff in there. Um, but I do think one of the most, you know, impactful things for me during your talk, um, was just how we all, I think, especially as women tend to get stuck in that kind of hamster wheel of life, you know, where we're just in that robot phase where we're doing the same things over and over and over again. And yet we tend to expect a different result <laughs> from life out of it. So, what did that kind of look like for you? I know you talk about it a lot in your book. How did you go from like that robot phase into this new transformed you? And what did that look like through your personal life? Because I know you kind of explain it as exploded things a little bit. Yeah, honestly, it was, it was a, it was a perspective shift for me. And I think the best probably metaphor that I could attach to that is a lot of us get stuck in a mindset of like, life keeps handing me this life keeps handing me trials, life keeps pushing things at me. And, and I'm not saying that bad things that happen are our choice. Because I think you and I both know that's not the case. We don't choose bad things. But when, when we're in a position where, um, you know, like, I kept gravitating towards unhealthy relationships or I kept getting into jobs that were like workaholic jobs, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cause that's the things that I was gravitated to the best way I can, I can, um, share that it sort of was the light bulb that went off for me was I felt like I was, I don't know if, if any of your, your listeners or even you have gone river rafting before, but, mm -hmm. um, when, when you're just like cruising down the river, right. You're in the boat, like maybe you're the passenger and you don't have a paddle and you're just going wherever that water takes you, whether that's over a rock, whether that's through a rapid, whether you bump into the shore and, you know, bump back out. Um, you are, are 
powerless in that moment because you are, you're a, a I don't want to say a victim, but you are, um, it is a consequence of the action of the water, right? And you're just riding the boat. And in that moment, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I don't want to just be a, a bystander anymore. I don't want to just be like, oh, okay. That's what you've handed me. Oh, okay. We're going to go this way. I wanted the paddle. Give me the freaking paddle. Put me in the driver's seat. Like, let's go. Um, and that way, even though there were rapids in the water that I couldn't avoid, there were hard times, there were bad things that came to me that I couldn't avoid. I could at least steer my way through it. I mm -hmm. gave myself permission to be empowered. I gave myself the tools to be able to navigate those waters with, with choice, being, being at cause rather than being at effect. Mm-hmm. So not saying, oh, I'm powerless in this boat and I'm going over this rapid and maybe we flip and maybe we don't, but I at least had the paddles and I could control whether I flipped. <laughs> right. I love that analogy because it's so true. Sometimes we're just like that, you know, bystander in our own lives. And I feel like um, a lot of people have kind of a victim mentality when it comes to their life. Oh man, this stuff just keeps happening to me and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, and something that I've taught my son and, you know, sometimes I forget myself, but I always tell him is, you know, we don't get to choose everything that happens to us, but we, what we do get to choose is our own thoughts and our own actions around that. Um, so I think that is super important that we kind of are able to take control and power over our own lives instead of feeling so powerless all the time. Oh my goodness. I think that's so huge. And especially, you know, to teach, teach kids at a young age. Um, I've had a really interesting experience recently with, with my daughter. I mean, she just turned 13 and her dad and I have been split up since she was three. So she's had, you know, 10 years of every other weekend and split summers and things like that. And, you know, this, this summer, she had the courage to say, Hey, you know, mom and dad, I want to, I want to talk to you. I'm kind of frustrated with not having a say in what happens in my summer. You know, she's all about friends and she wants to be with her friends. And I was so proud of her for using her voice and just saying, Hey, look, I want to say, cause for years she hasn't had a say. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's probably a pretty powerless, you know, feeling for her. And my heart just really went out to her and I was like, okay, hey, she's reached that stage of of feeling like, you know, an independent person enough that she's like, look, I want to choose. I want to choose. So she's ready to take the wheel. She's ready to take the paddles. And I was so proud of her, even though that was pr probably pretty scary for her to approach um, us with that. But yeah, we had, we all had a very healthy conversation around it and she got to make her own summer calendar this year. That is so, so. nice. I love that you empowered her to do that too. Cause I think, I mean, just imagine how much different our lives would be if our parents had given us those types of tools because I mean I feel like a lot of this stuff hasn't really come around until the last you know five ten years or so um and I think that's a really good point that you illustrate in there too is a lot of the time we're conditioned into our way of thinking either by society or you know other factors trauma you talk about in your book um, and then we're just conditioned into a way of thinking that leads us into those really unhealthy habits, or even if they're not 
you know, quote unquote unhealthy. They're more of just like the traditional, here's what you should do type of things, but they're not healthy for you. How do we kind of like move away from what we've been conditioned into thinking or away from the values that maybe our parents or our friends have put on us without maybe completely blowing everything up, whether that's our relationships or, you know, friendships or whatever, you know. Absolutely. And it's such, such an important um, topic and conversation to have. And obviously before I even kind of dive into this, every single person's situations and relationships are unique and different, but as kind of an overarching theme um, and I'll, and I'll state the theme before I dive into the details, but really the whole entire, the whole entire key to unlocking that, that door is being able to look within, listen, excuse me, listen within more importantly. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we are, as, as kids, we're little kids, we're constantly around our parents. We're constantly around an adult, um, some kind of an authority figure, right? Because we, we can't be left alone because we might eat the marble or we might fall off the ledge or whatever, right? Like we're constantly being, being guided for our safety, but we're also being constantly fed information, right? You should dress this way. You should live this way. You should speak this way. Um, you should give your grandparents a hug when they leave, right? Like there's a, there's a lot of that going around right now about, you know, not forcing children to be, um, the physical, whether that's a hug or whatever, if they don't want to, like, even if they don't want to give somebody, you know, grandparent a high five when they're leaving the house, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I was raised that you always hug, hug your relatives goodbye, you know? And so changing that narrative, (laughs) yeah. Changing that narrative for my daughter has been honestly kind of like a big mind twist for me. Um, but not to get off course, the, the, the important part is to be able to step away from the information source. Um, now not saying like, you need to cut off a parent and say, look, I need to cut you off so that I can figure myself out, but you may need to have some healthy distance there. And I mean, I will speak very freely. My mother and I had some rocky years where I was really going you know, against the things that she had taught me growing up and being a mother now, I can only imagine how heart heartbreaking that was for her to watch me like take this way different path than she probably had imagined for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the important part is that, you know, we came to a place after, after that, where we have such, such a good relationship now. And she cheers me on and I cheer her on and we respect each other, even though we live different lives. But bottom line is you've, you've got to separate yourself enough from all the noise of the world, whether that's a parent, a friend, a coworker, a boss, Instagram, Facebook, podcasts, whatever it is, you've got to separate yourself enough to be able to ask yourself, okay, wait, what do I really believe? Do I believe that um, fruit loops are bad for me? Like, you know, do I believe that um, hit cardio is bad for my body type. There's a bunch of different things. Um, in fact, you probably remember, um, at the, the retreat that, the, the, that we met at, um, we learned a lot about human design mm-hmm. and, and I point this out because for five years I had been teaching a very intense version of hit cardio and group fitness. And when I had my human design reading with Amanda, 
Um, she's like, actually that kind of, that kind of workout, like probably isn't the best for you. And she's like, take that with a grain of salt, whatever. And it wasn't long after that, that I quit, not because of what she had said, it was COVID and things that, that shut it all down. But, um, when I quit doing that kind of exercise and I started doing different things, I noticed a shift, not only in my, um, emotional state, but also in my, my body. And I think it's because of my cortisol levels and things like that. I was like jacking them up, but I would have never thought about that because, mm-hmm. you know, I had been following all these different Instagram accounts that were like, yeah, hit cardio hit hits the way to go. It's strength training. It's cardio. It's everything. But maybe for me, that's not right. But I didn't stop long enough to listen to myself and listen to my own body to know whether or not that was the case. And that's not just physical. You've got to do it emotionally and spiritually. For for years after I walked away from religion, my um, organized religion, my counselor kept telling me, she's like, you need to replace that with something else. That was a big part of your life. You need to replace it with some other kind of like spiritual practice or something. And I was like, the hell I do. I don't need any of that. <laughs> and honestly, it, it wasn't until I did replace it with my own version of a spiritual practice that I actually felt really grounded in my own life again. But it was because I listened to me. I didn't, I mean, she was giving me good advice, but I needed to figure it out for myself. Yeah. And that, that right there is the biggest part, I think. Yeah. Is figuring it out for ourselves. And I think a lot of people learn, yeah. And people don't trust themselves, which is hard. And I think it's because we do um, rely that we think is, we think everyone else is an expert that we forget that we know what's best for us, whether it comes to how to get over a cold to how to rehab an, a knee injury to, I'm not talking like surgery status, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and being able to like turn all that off is a big deal. And if, if like, if I were to give everybody one challenge today to kind of set those wheels in motion would be to go on like a seven day, like digital detox, like no TV, no music with lyrics, no social media, no podcasts, nothing. And just, it's almost like a, it's almost like a digital fast, no news nothing no magazines just like let it be let it be for seven days and I guarantee you you'll come out on the end of that a changed person you have to actually start listening to your own (laughs) thoughts which is scary for you when you haven't been doing that for so long sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's almost like you're opening up um you're opening up a door that hasn't hasn't been opened um there's a, a close, a person very close to me. Um, and I, I, one of my very favorite books is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I gave this person a copy of this book. And I was like, you have got to read this. It is amazing. And that person didn't even get all the way through chapter one and gave it back to me and said, I can't read this. It makes me think about things I don't want to think about. And I think that is a huge signal of where a lot of people are in the world right now, where they just don't want to look, they want to, don't want to feel, they want to escape, they want to push it all away. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you have to dive into every single dirty detail of your past or what you're ashamed of, but a matter of being able to feel the emotions around it and just understand them and acknowledge them and then release them is probably the healthiest thing you could do for for your mental health and for opening that connection to your inner wisdom it is really hard though I 
I went through a very similar kind of big change in my life in every way. Um, and one of the things that I did was, you know, I had been separated from my parents, from religion, from all of that different stuff for a long time, um, and started kind of working on myself. And I had been numb to everything for so long that when I finally opened that, it was like opening the floodgates, like it all came pouring in and it was a rough, like six months to a year after that just kind of sorting through all of that working through that um my anxiety and depression was at an all-time high but now that I've gone through it and worked through it I'm in such a healthy place now and you know I've rekindled that relationship with my parents and it's the healthiest that relationship has ever been because you know I was able to come to it and say, look, this is who I am. You can either take me as I am or not. And that's totally okay. Like, but I'm not going to pretend to be something that I'm not anymore. <laughs> and you have to like, accept your that. Hard, and, like, right? Yeah. Put those boundaries out there. And it created such a healthy relationship within myself, but with it, with the other people around me as well. But that initial six months to a year, whew, that was rough. <laughs> Man, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that with me. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I definitely when uh, you were talking at the retreat, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many similarities here. It was like, you know, going through divorce and changing your whole life and, you know, just kind of flipping everything up on its head and discovering, you know, who you actually are and kind of going against societal norms in a lot of the ways honestly and and that detach of of you know kind of becoming becoming your own person in understanding what makes what makes you happy or what your goals are um and we we talked about this just a little bit at the retreat where you know initially you know, we're kind of, um, modeling, you know, what people in our world, like, like say, you know, a piece of birthday cake is what makes, you know, your, your big brother happy. So cool. You cake must make you happy, right? Cake makes me happy or whatever. These are silly analogies, but we model. Um, and then as we start to, you know, mature and make our own experiences, we create our own model of the world. And that all occurs based upon, you know, the information that we receive, and then we run it through our own kind of internal filter. And then we translate that, however, we translate it based upon, you know, our, our DNA, our makeup. And when we get to that point, it's very interesting to start to understand. And, and like I said, we talked about this at the retreat, if something that makes someone else happy only makes me happy because, because they're like praising me for doing it. That's when you need to understand, like I talked about in the beginning, that disassociated happiness, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to find those core things that really make you, you, that make you happy. And you'll hear a lot of people say, when I finally found my path, when they finally found what they wanted, where they wanted to go and not where someone else was steering the boat for them. Mm -hmm. I think the other part of that too is that that can change over time too as we grow as yeah. you know new experiences happen whatever 
it's okay to change. It's okay to have, you know, a different path that opens up that you want to go towards. Like, cause I feel like sometimes it's like, oh yes, I found my path. Here I go. And then it's like something happens and you're like, well, but I already said I was going to go this way. And now I feel stuck to go that way. <laughs> you know what? That's, I love that you brought that up because it's so true. And, and, you know, I think uh, it, when we're younger, it's like, Hey, choose what you want to be when you grow up and you like stay on that path. Right. Nowadays, what are the stats? I think adults change careers like four times or something over the, over the course of their life. And, and you're so right. It can change weekly, monthly, yearly. I mean, I can't tell you the, the ping pong that I have a lot of times of like, oh, I want to stay working for this company. No, I want to go work for myself. Oh no, maybe I want to try this or maybe like, it's just, you know, it's interesting and it's, it's fine just as long as it aligns with you, right? It's gotta be what you want, not what someone else is tugging at you to do. Yeah. Have you gotten to the, to chapter about the compass yet? No, I haven't. You need to tell me about that. I can't wait till you get there. (laughs) It's so good. I don't want to go spoiler alert on you, but, um, it's a very interesting chapter and analogy um, of a personal story of mine about talking about what what needs to happen or what steps you need to take to ensure that um, other people or other things are not affecting your true north mm. on your compass. So, ooh, it's a good one. Well, now you have to give me a little bit more than that. At least give me a taste here so that people can <laughs> okay, go and that. read your book, but we can get a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I'll give you a little bit more. So, um, the story, the story is, is basically when I was a kid and, um, I, my dad, we, you know, we'd go camping all the time and my dad had this like survival knife, right? So it was like this knife and he'd let me whittle sticks with it. But at the end of it, at the end, at the butt end was a compass. And I was always like, what? Like, oh, go compass. Like I knew it was supposed to do, but I didn't know how it worked. Um, and so my dad, I asked him to, to show me how it worked. Right. And, um, and he showed me and it was one of those things where um, I was, I was like cool about it. And I was like, great, awesome, fine. You know, I know how it works. <laughs> and then. And then one day in school, we were doing a science experiment and, um, the teacher, the teacher called on me, right. She's like, Hey, okay, I want you to, to get your compass out. And I was like, I already know how to use one of these. Like, I thought I was just, you know, <laughs> the shiz because I already knew my dad had taught me it's fine. And so she was like, okay. Um, so I said, I, I had my compass in my hand, um, or maybe it was on my desk. I'm trying to remember now, but, um, I had my compass and, you know, it was doing as it was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden you know, she walked past me and it started to move and follow her. And I was like, what the heck did like, am I not, am I not doing it right? You know, like what's wrong. And, um, and then the story, the story continues to unfold. And I felt like my whole, my whole knowledge of the concept of this compass had been blown out of the water because of what happens next in the story. Mm -hmm. And um, I went back to my dad and I was like, what the crap dad this is not this isn't this isn't what you said you know what I mean so he goes on to share some incredible wisdom with me um about how a compass functions and how we can um associate that with our own true north and finding our own path and making sure that 
we are not being misguided by other things that are are out of our control yeah i love that i think that's super important one of the things that we had talked about is you know letting go of the expectations of others and i think that can be really really hard on us um because we want to please people you know especially me i'm a big people pleaser it's always been you know something that i struggle with um so how did you work through those kind of people pleasing tendencies and just kind of let go of their expectations and also set boundaries with them on you know because I do think that's a big part of people pleasing is making sure that you're setting boundaries with people in order to kind of break those tendencies. Mm. Yes, this is a good one. So one thing I just want to bring to the surface quick is, you know, people pleasing. A lot of people think that it's, um, you know, just this innate tendency to make everyone else around us happy. And because we want to put other people first and we want to give, 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 and that is part of it. But, um, the real like truth bomb here is that generally people who are who are lifers when it comes to people pleasing um they do that because it it gives them the closest feeling that they can have to self-love because they don't love themselves enough Mm. and i think self-love gets tossed around pretty lightly um in the social media scene right now and it's not to me it's not look in the mirror and love the way you look it's not you know look at the scars all over your body and love those to me that's super superficial is that a piece of it yes but it's deeper than that to me in that you you love you love what you want you love your own sense of humor you you love honoring yourself and really I think if we can take the self-love narrative and change it to honoring yourself it becomes different because it's not a concept it's an action And to me, that's hugely important because as you brought up boundaries, honoring yourself requires action and setting boundaries is a big one. And there's an entire chapter about boundaries in my book and how important they are. And when you first start to set boundaries as a people pleaser, it's going to feel really, really selfish and it's going to feel really, really difficult. But you just have to remember something super, super important. And I will butcher this because I don't have it in front of me, but it is a quote from Glenn Doyle's book that I shared at the retreat and I will share it again and I will share it until I die. (laughs) But the bottom line is when it comes down to a choice between disappointing yourself or disappointing someone else, your job is always to disappoint the other person. And when I read that quote, I seriously, A, felt like a ton of bricks hit me, but I also felt like all the chains had been broken from my shoulders in that, why in the hell would I honestly choose to disappoint myself to make someone else happy? Like when you look at it in that frame, it almost seems wild, right? So if I know that hanging out with a particular friend is like an energy suck for me and it's toxic. Okay, cool. I need to put some healthy distance there and say, look, you know, like just to myself, she's not in a healthy spot right now. Like I need to just kind of keep her at arm's length until, until she gets to a healthy spot, love her, support her, embrace her all I can. But 
you have to protect yourself first. It's that whole oxygen mask thing, right? Like as a mother or whoever, you put your own on first before you help somebody else. Because if you're helping them and you conk out, you're not helping anyone else. So it becomes super important to realize that that, that self-love is actionable. You have to take the action behind it and understanding that other people's expectations may not be in alignment with what you want and no one else's expectations should ever take precedence over your own. And sometimes that can be hard, especially as a, and you could probably resonate with this as like a single working mom. There's times where I'm like, honey, I know you want me to, to take you to the mall with your friends right now, but guess what? I have a conference call in 20 minutes. Like we'll have to go later. Right. I mean, this is just life, right? That's, that's kind of, um, maybe not the best example, but there are certain expectations that you have to meet in certain areas of your life when it comes down to, you know, paying your bills, keeping your job, whatever. <laughs> but when it comes down to what you really want in your life, what you want to call into your life, what you want to bring into your life, you have to make your own choice. I waited like what, 12 years to get my sleeve tattoo because I was so freaking afraid of what everyone else would think of me or that I wouldn't portray a professional image because I owned my business at that time. And I was like, can a business owner really have like a big old sleep? Obviously like times have changed since then, but I was letting the world's expectations of me or my family's or, you know, this cultural norm stop me from getting something that I had saved for that I really, really wanted. Now is that kind of a superficial example? Sure. But you can draw the conclusions. And it fits you so perfectly and it's gorgeous. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you. I was very picky about my artists, but oh, that's a different conversation. <laughs> you should be. Um, I think you brought up a great word in all of that selfish. I feel like so many of us are so afraid to be like labeled as selfish when really we're just choosing to honor ourselves and that's sometimes hard for other people. And so they like to label us as selfish. <laughs> how, how do we distinguish between when we're being self-loving and when we're actually being selfish? Mm. That's a good one. So selfish to me is if I am taking away from someone else. So really obvious example, but I'll use it. So let's say I have 50 bucks. My daughter needs new clothes. I really want this new pair of shoes. Okay. If I spend it on the shoes that I don't need and, and I don't get her the clothes, like she's grown out of all of her shorts right now. Right. And mm -hmm. I don't get her the shorts that she needs to me. That's selfish. But if I have a hundred dollars and I can get her the shorts she needs and I can buy me the shoes that I want, then that's not selfish, right? Then I, I can do something nice for myself and it's fine. Again, pretty superficial example, but it's important to understand that only when you are taking away from someone else or shortcutting someone else, does that become selfish? Does that mean you have to give every single minute of your day to your children? Absolutely not. When my daughter was five, six, maybe was when I started teaching group fitness and she knew from the get-go, that was my happy place. That was a good mental and physical and emotional release for me. So anytime I would leave to go teach, it was never, 
but mom, it was always, okay, mom, go have fun. Hope you have a lot of people at your class tonight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's all fine and good that she, that she learned that. But the point is that that was the mentality about it. It wasn't, I'm so sorry. I'm leaving you again. Like I had to get it straight in my head of why that was important for me so that I could portray that to her. And she's understood that from then on. And now she gets it herself. Mm -hmm. So it's really just, it's the, it's the mindset and the stories that we're telling ourselves. And unfortunately, there is that culture out there that's like, you know, mom guilt, mommy sacrifice. Oh, don't put yourself before your kids. Don't you dare. Don't you dare leave them when they're crying to go get your workout in or go get your massage. Don't you dare. No, it's fine. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I always say that on here is we have to take care of ourselves first in order to better take care of the people around us. Um, And I think too often, especially in media that's portrayed as the norm is like oh self-sacrificing you know in every way possible and you end up hating yourself hating your life having all of this resentment towards the people around you because you're giving so much to them that you have nothing left for yourself um you know it leads to resentment in your marriage against your kids you know all of this other stuff too Mm -hmm. And I think it's a big difference between um, empowerment and disempowerment. Um, When I work with some of my coaching clients, a lot that I hear is, um, well, I can't get my physical um, level where I want it to be because I, I just don't have time. I need, you know, I need to be with my kids. My kids need me. They're young. Okay. Sorry. Like the martyr victim role is disempowering, right? think outside the box, get creative. One of my favorite quotes from um, a recent training that I went to is there are no unresourceful people. There are only unresourceful states. Meaning, okay, okay, mama, okay, mama, you you feel like you can't get your workout in because you need to be with your kids. Okay. That's just an unresourceful state. There's things you could do. Let's think outside the box. Let's get creative, figure out a way to work out at home you know, discover and someone new that could come in and watch your kids do a tradesies with a different mom. Okay. You watch them from nine to 10. I'll watch them from 10 to 11. We'll both get our workouts in. So it's just a matter of tapping into those resourceful states. And a lot of times that has to do with limiting beliefs and releasing those things. And like, I'll tell you what, my mind has been blown recently with these, these training that I went to on how quickly it can be done. I always thought it was this like ridiculously long process to work through some of these things Mm -hmm. there's some people out there who've been figuring out some amazing stuff and one of the one of these days we'll we'll chat and I'll share that with you too but (laughs) yeah um yeah it's it's really just finding that resourceful state Mm -hmm. which I love you talk about that in the book it's like if your kids have a need that comes up how quick are we to you know move things around or work extra hours or do whatever it takes to figure that out for them. But how often do we not do that for ourselves? <laughs> We're so unwilling to do that. Right. And why? We're just, we're just as important, right? Why do we, why do we put ourselves on so far down on the list? Mm-hmm. We really need to move us up on that list. 
We really do. So one of the great things that you talked about um, at the retreat was like actually working through and figuring out what some of our core beliefs are so that we can work that into our lives in the different ways that we um, do it. And you and I had this conversation. One of my core beliefs is service to other people. But I realized that I was doing too much of that and not serving myself along the way too. And it's like, um, one of the hardest things for me is like, I was, when we were at the retreat, I was trying to decide whether I was going to move forward with my nonprofit or if I was going to stop doing it. And you, you brought that up to me. You're like, I know that like service is important to you, but you have to serve yourself first in order to better serve those around you. And I was like, oh man, (laughs) it was like, you know, you had dropped a brick on my head. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I guess that's true. But it is so hard, um, especially when that's one of your core values to kind of give that up in order to, you know, find some sort of a semblance of balance in your life too. So um, I guess my question for you is, how do we go about figuring out what our core values are and how do we quote unquote find that balance in our lives in, you know, the things that we need to do and the things that we want to do in order to create a more intentional life? Oh, this is a good one. Um, It makes me, it kind of makes me wish I would have brought this part to to the retreat as well. Um, (laughs) I have, I actually have a, I have a 90 day, uh, coaching program and one of the very first things that we go through aside from emotional awareness is establishing your core values now anyone that has ever you know started a business or been been you know part of a founding group of a business you go through a process to discover the core values of your business Mm -hmm. and essentially I've tweaked that process so that you run through discovering the core values of yourself um and it's that's a much more involved process now um which would be cool to, to go through. Maybe we could, we could create a dialed back version free resource for, for your listeners, but short term for this, for this recording today, one of the important things to do is to go through and make a list of the things that make you happy. Like what makes you happy? What brings happiness into your life? What's important to you? And then you've got to turn around and really pay attention to if it, that, if that is a disassociated happiness, meaning does that make you happy because other people are praising you for doing it? Right. Like did getting, well, actually I can't use that example because I know that was for me, but I know for some people like, is, did you really want to get your degree or were you just doing it because you know, your parent, it was going to make your parents happy, which would then make you happy because they would praise the crap out of you. Right. So understanding the difference between what you really want, right. And what you really need in your life you've got to sit down and think about it and analyze it and get quiet about it and, and tune out the whatever, right. That that's filling your mind with all these other thoughts. Um, but taking the time to detail that out is super important. And if you struggle to do that, honestly, you can go online and pull like Google uh, list of core values and honestly just print it out or look at it, circle the ones that are important to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And And when you circle the ones that are important to you, then go back through and see if some of them are similar, right? So like service or, um, you know, caring for others, maybe those kind of fall into the same category. Okay. Make that one item 
um, so that you're kind of consolidating. And then you basically got a list of, of the things that are super important to you. And then move, move the pieces of your world in the direction of those things. But it's important that you figure it out for yourself. And I talked about this other places, but it always kills me when I see people go to like these um, online quizzes of like, like a career quiz or like a personality quiz. And sure, some of them can feel like they res resonate really hardcore, but I've literally bumped into people. And even a couple of my coaching clients were like, well, I took this quiz online and it said that I'd be best served in the medical field. And I'm like, she's like, so that's the direction I went. I'm like, but do you like that? Well, I hate blood, but I could, I could like, you know, take vitals and things. And I'm going, you let some random quiz tell you the path you should take. No, 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 no. What does you want? What are your core values? Right. Mm -hmm. We're always looking to somebody else for the answer. And so, you know, digging into, digging into that, I mean, look at a list, get some inspiration. That's fine. And then let those, let the snowball effect happen. And really get that, get a list, make a list, a physical list. It's yeah. Important. So, and that's one of the things that we did together. So once you have the list, how do you actually take that list and implement it into the different areas of your life? You know, whether it's something like choosing the job or, uh, you know, ch making changes at home to make it a more, you know, healthy environment that you want to go back to. You're excited because, you know, sometimes if you're in a situation where you're not paying attention to those core values, you can create environments that are toxic for yourself that you don't want to go home. You don't want to go to work, you know, all of those different things. So how do we implement that? Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, I think it's just a matter of keeping, keeping these things at the forefront of your mind, which is again, why you make a physical list. Read it, read it in the morning, read it at night. It's kind of the same, same uh, concept of, you know, reading your, your affirmations, you know, morning and night, keeping these things at the forefront of your mind, because guaranteed throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, all this, you know, information overload that we have will distract you. It will deter your attention. And um, that's something that's been a, a big deal for me because I, I have a very huge tendency to be a workaholic and to put my work above my self-care and even my, my kids sometimes. And so having my core values on my monitor at my desk, um, you know, obviously not when I work from home so that I remember like what I'm doing, what I'm here for, you know, like one of my core values is memories. I want to create golden value memories for my daughter. And if that means shutting my laptop right at three o'clock, so we could go play soccer tennis at the pickleball court, then by damn, we're going to go do it. And I'm not going to send another email and I'm not going to go down another rabbit hole of a customer issue. Um, but making sure those are at the forefront is a way to keep that implemented. And then it's almost like, it's almost like a gut check. Like when you have a decision that comes to you, and this is the same thing businesses do. Is this a decision that is in line with my core values? Someone, let's say you have a part-time job. Someone come, comes and offers you another side gig. You're like, Ooh, that extra money sure would be nice, but is it going to help me, you know, spend quality time with my child? Is it going to help me create more memories? Is it going to allow me time to take care of myself? 
is it going to allow me space in my life to have peace to serve others? Or is it going to fill my plate so full that I'm going to be a stressed out mess? Mm-hmm. Right? Like you've got to weigh it out. You've got to check it against your core values. And honestly, any decision, any decision that comes your way, I would check it against your core values, sit with it. If you're a meditator, meditate. If you're not, just really take a quiet minute and and think, write down your pros and cons list. My daughter's more of a list maker, right? I'm a meditator. She's a list maker. Um, so we go through these different things, but it's really that checks and balances. You don't want to shove a square peg in a round hole. It ain't going to fit. Yeah, definitely. I think I love that you put, that you talked about like putting it in your daily practice, like your affirmations. Cause I think that's really important. It's so easy to get distracted from everything. Like it, it's that taking the knowledge and actually applying it and then applying it again and applying it again. Cause I think we have a tendency to hoard information and not do anything with it, or, you know, we'll start to do something and then not follow through with it. (laughs) So it's good to kind of have those checks. Um, Well, any final tips, tricks, tools, anything like that, that you have for the moms out there that are kind of in that numb robotic period of their lives to pull themselves out of it and start creating a more intentional them. Absolutely. And I do want to just quickly add one thing in relation to the core values list. Um, Cause I've had some pushback about it from clients previously where they're like, I don't want to check a, check every decision against a list. And what I want to point out is you're not checking it against a list. You're checking it against your inner wisdom. It just so happens your inner wisdom's on a piece of paper in a, in a, in a group of seven to 10 words. So that's a correlation that I think is important. You're not checking it against the list. You're checking it against your inner wisdom and nobody knows what's better for you than you. Nobody. And I think the main, you know, main takeaway uh, for you moms is take whatever you need to take out of your life in order to ditch the, the comparison game. And I, I, kind of stalled there because I wanted to make sure I was saying that in in a way that makes sense because we have a tendency to think about um, what, what we want to call into our lives or what we want to have in our lives. You know, maybe you've got, maybe you've got a plate full of 10 things and, and maybe getting the life you want doesn't mean adding more things to your plate. Sometimes it can mean taking things away. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to take some things away from your plate in order to feel fully fulfilled. And I think a lot of people get that backwards where they think I don't feel fulfilled. I need more. Where really, if you're not fulfilled, sometimes you need less. And it's generally that that's the case a lot of the time. So I guess my encouragement is to tune out the noise, take away the distractions, tune inward, and really just try to simplify in this day and age. I know it's hard but surround yourself with people that are in your same, in your same vibe and really just simplify. Mm -hmm. That's why I love the retreat is because we're all like those beautiful women on the same vibe, you know, like you came in and it was just like, you know, this openness and this want for more knowledge and want to be better for ourselves, for our families, all of that stuff. And the vibe there was immaculate. 
I loved it. <laughs> so. I know. It's like, can we just put that on repeat every weekend? Because come on, that was magic. It was magic. Right. And it was so recharging, you know, for my soul. <laughs> I literally had no idea I needed that personally as well. My, I don't think I was allowing myself to realize kind of where my mental help was at work had been like super stressful and I just moved and all these things and I was like damn I needed that bad <laughs> so it was a beautiful and I'm so grateful that I got to meet you and everyone else there it's been such a blessing yeah it just shows you what happens when you surround yourself with the right people though so amen well speaking of surrounding ourselves with the right people do you want to tell us where we can find you all of your stuff uh your programs that you have available anything like that plug yourself please absolutely so um you can find me on instagram my page is um the i just actually changed you guys are gonna laugh at this um i just actually changed everything over so let's start with website because that's gonna be one that will stick around for a little while so the title of my book is The Renewal of You. Um, and that is also the title of my current website. And that is where you can find information about my programs if you're interested um, and also my one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, additionally, you can find me on Instagram, my new page. It used to be The Renewal of You, but now it is The Mindful Healing Method. Um, I made it a little switch up because I was recently certified in um, neuro-linguistic programming, timeline therapy, and hypnotherapy. So I'm taking a little bit different approach to my coaching with my clients to create true transformation. Um, but those are the main places that you can find me. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you. Oh, it is my, my pleasure. And I'm completely honored. You are a gem in this world. So thank you. Y'all wasn't that just incredible. Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.